the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Scandal. That it wasn't you. It was the spotless, sinless Lamb of God who died in your place. That's the gospel. He doesn't go to that cross blindly. He doesn't get on the cross and say, no, Father, I don't want to do this. I didn't know it would cost so much. He knew from so eternity much. how much it would cost him, and yet he still did it. If his love is like that, if he has set me free completely, I'm his. He says, such is my love to and pity for them, that rather than they shall perish eternally, I will be responsible for them as their guarantee. Bring in all thy bills, Father, that I may see what they owe thee. Hello, hello, and good evening. Week two, Culture of Death in Lansing. Now, last week it went live. It was kind of a uh, last... Uh, Last minute thing I decided to do, and I want to revisit that again this week. But first, let me let me uh, welcome you to the show. My name is Matthew Smith. This is the Believing Theologist podcast. I pushed a big button now. There I go. I'm on the big screen. <laughs> uh, my name is Matthew Smith, and welcome to the Believing Theologist podcast. Bringing sound doctrine and the gospel to the great state of Michigan from Lansing. Two of the furthest reaches of the UP. Now, if there's anybody in the UP listening, how you doing? If there's nobody from the UP listening and it's all trolls, good to, good to have you around. Now, the reason I want to revisit this is because last week I spent a lot of time going on and on, essentially, about how bad abortion is. No, that is indeed murder. Of a of an unborn human child, and so on. But I want to go over a couple Bible verses today. No, to try to um, no. <laughs> Maybe clear things up as far as what Scripture says a little bit. No, as a tool, helpful tool for you. Now, um, now when I started, my wife uh, said things were a little quiet. So, um, let me know in the comments and the chat. And we'll go from there. But first, now before I continue on, I want to remind you, the gospel. Do you know what the gospel is? The gospel is the good news. Now before we even get to the good news, you must know what the bad news is. Bad news. All of us, all of mankind, are, sin- are born sinners. Because of the sin of our father Adam. We... We inherited his sin. We inherited the sin nature from him, and and everything we do is our entire being is fused—not necessarily fused. That's the wrong word, but messed up with this sin nature. And we and and it's our nature to want to sin willfully. Now, what is sin? A direct violation of God's law. For a quick example, we can look at the Ten Commandments. Now, you shall have no other gods before me. Don't make any graven images. Um, honor your parents. Remember the Sabbath. Keep it holy. 
Don't covet your neighbor's stuff. Don't cover your covet your neighbor's wife. Do not steal, etc. Do not commit adultery. And when we break these, it is called sin. And it's and because we have sinned, because we've broken God's law, and our punishment, the Bible says our wage that we deserve to be paid is death. Or the, in Romans, for the wages of death, wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. What is the gift of God? You see, because we cannot earn our righteousness on our own and, and please God. So God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, the second member of the Trinity, to come down and live the perfect life we could not live, earning righteousness on our behalf. Died a death that you deserved, that I deserved to die. When he died upon a cross, taking on the wrath of God for the sins of the world, then he died, he was buried, placed in the tomb, and he was only he was there for three about three days. Then on the third day he rose again. Defeating sin, Satan, and death. And then he ascended to the right hand of the Father. There, making intercession for his people. This is the gospel. Be forgiven. That's the only way we can become our Be forgiven. Repent of our repent of your sins. Be forgiven. Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, going on with what I want, what I want to go about. Now, the big thing with abortion, the issue is, is it human? Which seems like an odd thing because we know dog, when they procreate, make dog, make more dogs. Cats, when they procreate, they make more cats. And birds, when they procreate, they make more birds so on. But for some odd reason, according to those who are really into the um, into this whole thing, they don't want to admit that humans, when they procreate, make more humans. Now this is odd to me. It doesn't make any sense because if when a human male and a human woman mate and she conceives, is that now fetus or embryo or whatever you want to call it, depending on stage of development, not human? This makes no sense. But the reason they have to do reason abortion advocates will say, well, it's not human, they, they have to do that. Because you see, it clears our conscience. It makes them see, it makes them think that they're being innocent. That's not really human life and it doesn't matter. It's just a bug, just a parasite. It doesn't matter that it's gone, that it's dead, that I killed it. So that child that that woman is is 
pregnant with. The pro-abortion advocates will say that is not a human child in order to alleviate their own conscience, their own conscience and the conscience of those who would continue to uh, procure abortions and fight for abortions. Because it was millions and millions ever since Roe v. Wade that have died as a result of abortions. And, uh, and yes, pre-Roe v. Wade, a lot died then too. But now, it's essentially state-sanctioned. It's become a holy ritual for many, many women and men out there who advocate for this thing. Because, you see, this is is absolutely wicked. It really is. So, I'm going to stop rambling for a minute. We're going to go over to Scripture. Psalm 139.13 For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. Now this is a psalm. Got David praising God for his uh, being thankful to God for the things God has done. One thing he thinks, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. Now, some people say, well, he didn't, well, they didn't really have the technology to know how, how babies develop. True. But they knew enough to know when uh, mommy and daddy get, to, get together and love each other very much. Very often what happens is a baby. She gets pregnant. And they procreate. What this is saying, David talking to God, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. Now, a lot of people think the Lord is aloof. He he came down and created. Came down and created everything, and then he just let it go and let it be. As is, but no. God's hand was informing David in his mother's womb. By extension, I would dare say God has done for the, all of us. He's done it for you. You were formed and knitted together by the hands of God in your mother's womb. I know, I know. Now you're going to say, but the thing and the thing in the science. Yeah. Can the Lord not have his hand? personally have his hand in that and work in that? Think about it. Another one. Proverbs chapter 6. There are six things that the Lord hates. Seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. Six things the Lord hates, seven that are abomination. (sighs) Hands that shed innocent blood. Now, some of you say, well, when you gave your gospel presentation, you said we're all sinners. We have a sin nature. 
We're not innocent. True. In that sense, not no one is innocent. But in this case, this is meaning judicially innocent. One who is not who is not. Uh, shoot, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, gu- guilty of breaking a law of God. That's specific, and then killed as a re- and then and then killed or murdered. That is regardless of the person standing before the law. Judicially innocent. Now, now as a Calvinist, I do believe in total depravity. That all men, as they're, when they are born, they are born with a sin nature that is ultimately inherited from Adam, the first man. The one, are, are unfortunately our... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? The first man, uh, when he sinned, because he was also God's representative to what would become mankind. Our he is our federal head. He was our federal head. Now his sin infected everybody. Now we have a sin nature, and by and by that alone, we are guilty before God for breaking His law. Okay. Now the now this hands that shed innocent blood, ones who are judicially innocent. Let's say you got you got a couple of people. They're both wanted, save for murder. Okay, one person didn't, the other person didn't, and they were not accomplices in any of the crimes. Okay, they worked independently of one another. The one who committed the murder. Is indeed hands that shed innocent blood. He was not, that was not his life to take, and he took it unrighteously. Now, the other person who did not commit the murder, if he stands before a jury or the court, the court deems him guilty, even though he didn't do it. That man is innocent. And his blood would be on the hands of the court. Now, again, our judicial system is not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. But I want to try to make make this clear. Six things that the Lord hates. Seven are abomination to him. Hands that shed innocent blood. Now, what they remember, uh, also, at the same time, remember, vengeance is the Lord's. The Scripture does call for the death penalty many times for varying things. But we should not be shedding innocent blood. Those children that those women are pregnant with, that many of them go to the abortion mills and destroy, are shedding innocent blood. You know, and to make this come ho- make this come home a little bit. Remember this picture from last week? Life begins at conception. Nothing grows if it is not living. As folks want to say on the um, what's the word? Uh, the evolutionary train, and say, "See, see, it's evolution." No, it's just a. It doesn't matter. It's just a clump of cells. That's a really human-looking clump of cells right there, if I do say so myself. 
And I do say so myself. Okay, going on. Back to the scriptures again. Jeremiah, chapter 1, verse 5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. No, the Lord talking to Jeremiah. Lord talking to Jeremiah. The Lord said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. Well, for one, we see God's predestination here. But see the phrase, phrasing, before I formed you in the womb. Okay, we do have nat- what appears to be what are uh, natural ways that things develop. How a human child develops when a woman is pregnant. You see all that. But again, this is God saying, before I formed you. This is the Lord that forms us in the womb. And by his providential hand, that's how things happen. Now, that doesn't mean things are going to turn out the way we want it 100% of the time. Far from it. But it's the Lord that forms us in the womb. Plain and simple. Now, there are other factors and things that come into account, but it's the Lord that does this. Now, if that fetus is not human, what is it? Now, that, that's the question a lot of us have to answer. I really do. Now, I want to revisit again another image that I shared last week. I want to share it again. This is an image from Holt High School. I covered the faces because I, I covered their faces. So I'm not broadcasting the broadcasting these folks all over the web. I don't. That's not my intention. I don't want to do that. But when I do show, is these young ladies, these young women, holding up these signs, they forget. They were never taught that children are a blessing from the Lord. They're a blessing. And the and those of us parents who may have had, those of you parents who may have a hard time getting the kids to sit down and eat dinner, and now you got to get them ready to brush your teeth in time for bed, and so on and so forth. It's rough, but children are a blessing. We should not forget this. But these girls never learned that apparently. But they say they demand separation between vagina and steak. Again, that's a, a very very sick way to word it and a play on words now regarding church and state. In the far corner in the far left corner there, it looks like you can't trust me with a ch- trust me with a choice. How can you trust me with a child? Again, here's the thing. No personal res- there's no personal responsibility in that. Because what she is saying now, in, in some cases, rightly so. Well, the adults in my life said I couldn't do, do X, I couldn't do Y, and that kind of thing. But if you, 
But what she's doing, she's denying any responsibility on her part. Now, are there, there are unfortunate things that happen. And then right in the middle, I'm not going to re, re, uh, read the word, but you can see it there. Right there in the center. Now, if somebody were to say that about these young women saying that same phrase, the whole community would be in up in arms. All of Holt would rally around them if that phrase were uttered in reference to these, these students. But it's not in reference to these students. It's in reference to unborn human children. Unborn human children. That's what it's about. So we see in the scriptures, it's the Lord that forms us in the womb. God hates hands that shed innocent blood. This is most certainly true. Now, remember this. Actually, I just had a thought. Let's let's do this because some people will say, well, well, the Bible says you can have abortion. Abortions are okay. No, it doesn't. Now, there's a passage in Numbers 5 that talks about a uh, ritual regarding if there's a situation where a woman uh, commits adultery and the procedures for that. Now, it has to do with is there are any witnesses, witnesses, that kind of thing. But if the husband suspects something and how this how the scripture puts it, the spirit of jealousy comes on him, he can go to the priest, high priest, and they'll do questioning and check it out. Now there's one thing in particular that they show that, that it talks about regarding this. Uh when given the situation, the priest would make a little concoction of simply just a little bit of dirt, just a little bit of dirt, dust off the floor, and some water. And perform a, ritual, perform a small ritual, now as prescribed in the scriptures, and tell the woman, okay, if, now, this drink will bring the curse upon you. If, if indeed you're innocent, nothing will happen. But if you did do this thing, your your abdomen will swell. Your abdomen sw- abdomen. Well, this will go into your intestines. Your abdomen will swell, and your thigh will the thigh will fall off. Rough paraphrase, but essentially say it will make her barren. Now, there's no insinuation in this passage that she's already conceived up at this point. Okay, and the emphasis is curse. The curse of a barren womb. Now, in this situation, uh, according to uh, uh, John MacArthur's study Bible, a uh, quick commentary on it, in that little bit, it is, it is this whole idea, this ritual, would have been a harrowing, harrowing thing for a woman and for a man. Because in those days, if you had no progeny, your land doesn't get passed on. 
your belongings don't get passed on, your line stops. That's not, and that was never a good thing. So that's huge. So a woman who is barren, that's a big deal. That's a really big deal. Sorry, a little dry there. And any, anyway, what the John MacArthur Study Bible essentially says in the commentary, that because this is, this is such a big deal and because barrenness was such is a terrible curse. Now, it's very, like, very likely if this ritual, this ritual had to be carried out, uh, the guilty party would come clean before they even got to this point and, and then ask for forgiveness and repent and so on. Okay. Well, there's that. Another one I want to, uh, one I want to point out in particular, though, Exodus 21, verse 22. When men strive together, that means they, they get in a brawl or a fight and hit a pregnant woman. Wait a minute, if two dudes are in a fight, how's a pregnant woman getting hit? Well, here, here's, here's my take. If two dudes are fighting, the, uh, their woman is either going to jump in to try to help them or try to get them both to stop. That's just how it goes. Whether she's pregnant or not pregnant, women sometimes will do that to stand up and protect their man. Either, honey, stop, you're going to get your butt kicked, or, or so on. Anyway, men strive together, hit a pregnant woman, so that her children come out, but there's no harm. One who hit her shall surely be fined. As the woman's husband shall impose on him, and he shall pay as the judges determine. But if there is harm, then you shall pay life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. Now, and looking this up, uh, looking this up in uh, Young's literal translation, because I don't know Greek and Hebrew all that well, but I believe it's based on step two, two agent, uh, the, the phrase, come her, so that her children come out, is basically, for the most part, what the original language says. Now, there's a translation, that, translation I believe it might be the NIV or, or NIV or the Living Bible, that says to, when she, if she miscarries. But that's not what, what this is about, if her children come out. but Because the next phrase, grammatically, but there is no harm. Okay. So what would that mean? So... Hit a pregnant woman, well, that's going to hurt, that's going to cause, that can cause some damage. And if her children come out, but there's no harm, I mean, the child survived. And the man, and the one who hit her will be fine as a woman's husband shall impose. So, in other words, if he wants, if the husband presses charges, he can. Now, but if there is harm, so we already see, so their child come out, comma, but there is no harm. As the woman's husband shall impose on him, he shall pay as a judge determined. But if there is harm, harm to what? To the woman? No. To the child that she was pregnant with. Then you shall pay life for life. So if a situation where the one who hits hits her causes her to miscarry, 
his life is forfeit, according to the scripture. So, um, anyway, I hope I hope that all that's helpful. I just want to go back over it again, briefly, and talk about it because there's a lot that can that can go into this. There's a lot. I mean, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. But I hope this brief take was very was helpful to you. In that you would at least consider these things. Look up the scriptures for yourself. Study them out. See what they say. Okay? Because this culture of death in the Lansing and in Michigan is sickening. Pastors, this is a call to you. Stand up for those who cannot defend themselves, in this case the unborn. Now, I'm not talking in social justice terms, but truly innocent blood that has been shed millions of times. Now, if there are women in your congregation that may have done this thing, lead them and forget so they can receive forgiveness and absolution. Help them, help them to see that they need to repent of this terrible sin. But you got to start with the thing you were pregnant with was another human. And when you murder it, when you have an abortion, you murder it, thereby taking a human life. Okay. Well, that's this has been another episode of Believing the Theologist. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, if you like what you hear, hope you stick around. I'm going to be trying to do video uh, live live broadcast on Tuesdays. Uh, do the best I can to stay on top of that. Um, I got a couple other topics down the pike coming up. One called Buckets, which will be fun if you like buckets. And then another one about regarding a church sign I saw a few weeks, uh, about a month or so ago. I think that'll be interesting too. So look for those in the future. I may do something in between before I get to those. However, again, I'm going to be trying doing this Tuesdays. If you like what you heard, uh, feel free to drop a couple of dollars in the hat over at Patreon. Uh, look me up, Believing Theologist. I'm on Twitter at Believing Theolo, Believing Theologist on Facebook. And if you want to email me, you may email, email me at believingtheologist at gmail.com. Now, one last thing. I'm also on Anchor FM. For the audio version of this. Now last week I'm not going to put up on audio. But this week I plan on doing so. So I hope to see you again. And I hope you have a good week. And until next time. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord.